Welcome, everybody, to Wait What? Sports Biz Chat with DP and McGee, where we take a sometimes cynical, sometimes serious, sometimes irreverent look at the sports business. Hopefully, we entertain you, and maybe even once in a while, we'll get you to say, wait, what? I'm your co-host, Tim McGee. And I'm David Paro. So let's get started. David, what's on your mind this week? Well, there's a lot of positive things going on in the sports industry. And so I'm feeling definitely like a bit of a Debbie Downer here. Um, and we are we are packed today, so we're, we're not going to spend too much time on our, on our opening segment. But as we close the curtain on Beijing Olympic Games, I'm torn between being discouraged about the overall Olympic movement uh, or feeling good about the summer games coming to Paris in 2024. Uh, or for that matter, to uh, Milano Cortina, Italy in 2026, and certainly, of course, uh, LA in 28. Um, you know, we've spent a good amount of time on the games on this show. We've had two great guests in Gary Placino and Chris Pepe uh, here to really dive in deep into the movement. And yes, there have been some unreal stories, some most of which we've talked about. Nathan Chen, Eileen Gu, Chloe Kim, Lindsay Jacob Ellis, Aaron Jackson, Brittany Bowe as examples. But the lack of heart and soul, not from the athletes, but from the games themselves, really just overpowered the good uh, as I see it. Um, you add to this the doping scandal of Camila uh, Valieva and her meltdown on the ice, and all of that was horrible around that whole situation. The geopolitical cloud of the Russia-Ukraine saga that's unfolding in front of us right now. And it's just all too complicated to be joyous. It was way easier to turn away than to tune in. And the TV ratings validate this, of course, uh, with NBC averaging just 11.4 million viewers across linear and streaming during their primetime coverage. And that's way under even last year's games from Tokyo, which, of course, were pretty depressed. Um, you know, there's always positive ways to spin these numbers as our podcasting uh, brethren, I think maybe they'd call us that. Uh, Marshand and Rand like to say there's always a positive spin to the number somewhere. They, the Olympic Games did still crush other primetime programming. And that's just the power of sports right there. And the streaming numbers on Peacock appeared to be quite good. But let's be honest, this is based simply on more people streaming, of course. So uh, the numbers overall, I think even there were a disappointment. So uh, that's the thought, but listen, hey, the Daytona 500 was awesome, and you know, I actually thought the All Star Game, the NBA All Star Game, was uh, was quite thrilling as well when it came down to it. Yeah, there wasn't quite enough going on in sports over the last month and a half. <laughs> so, I, I think uh, you know, just to touch upon your your Olympic comments, I, I think we are at a we're at a crossroads in the Olympic movement. Um, I think that Bach and the IOC, Thomas Bach, the head of the IOC, is going to have to uh, really be definitive on how he how he treats uh, a couple of issues. One is the, is the Russian doping scandal. I don't think this is being jingoistic or, or uh, you know, I, I do think that the Russians cheat and the cheating is systemic. And I think that needs to be uh, that needs to be addressed, whether they're flying under the Russian flag or under the Russian Olympic Committee flag or just as, you know, individual athletes that has to be addressed um and this poor young girl and she's that's what she is she's 15 um is a victim of, of that system um so I, I hope and pray that she you know recovers from this emotionally and hopefully maybe even physically um i've heard some people say it would be great if she came over and trained in the west um whether she competes under a, a western 
country's flag or, or goes back and, and competes for Russia, um, I hope she has the opportunity to do it clean because she clearly is one of the greatest skaters to ever put on skates. Um, but we'll, we'll have plenty of time to talk about that over, over the coming years. Um, I, I do think I do think one last point on, on the Olympics, I do think the other issue they're probably going to have to address is there are always issues of concern that come up, whether it was the pollution in Rio de Janeiro, whether it was the security in London, uh, whether it was the bribery scandal that preceded the Salt Lake Games, there always seems to be an issue. But I think the Olympic movement is going to have to make a decision on whether or not they give the games to cities and countries that have um, some of the issues associated with them that China does. And yes, I know that it's difficult to find cities that want to host, but I think that needs to be addressed as part of a, a bigger concern for the Olympic movement. Yeah, one, one quick final thought on that. I, I completely agree with you on that. And, and I think it, to some degree, suggests the limit of the ideal that we all want to believe in and what this can be. And I think in a perfect world, uh, the ideals that the, um, the Olympics espouse uh, would be wonderful and could be wonderful. And a lot of people work pretty hard uh, to try to you know, bring that to fruition. Uh, the realities of the world, as they get in, a way, get in the way of all kinds of things, this is certainly an example of that. And, and um, that, I think, is the challenge, is, is have those ideals, has the world passed up the ability to deliver against those ideals? And, and I think now that we're moving games to the West, uh, two games in a row in Europe, and then, um, uh, then moving to the U.S., I think we'll I think we'll see if there if there truly is a difference in what that means for the rest of the competition. It'll be fascinating to watch, of course. Yeah, and we touched upon it earlier. There's been so much going on in the world of sports since the beginning of the year. We started off with the college football playoffs. We roll into the NFL playoffs, then the Pro Bowl, the Super Bowl. We had the Daytona 500 this weekend. You and I were talking before we came on the air. We haven't seen the ratings yet, but it was fantastic. Broadcast, we had the NBA All-Star Game this past weekend, um, which was pretty cool. We had the NHL All-Star Game the weekend before that. We had the Premier Hockey Federation All-Star Game. I've got to get in. Got to get yeah. in my, uh, yeah. my, uh, my kudos to them. Um, and so now, as a fan, you can sort of sit down and take a breath a little bit um, until the conference play starts in college basketball. Yeah, I know we have the outdoor series coming up in hockey. And uh, – but fans can sit back and take a breath, um, but marketers can too, and advertisers. Uh, I know that when I was on the brand side, this was a tough time of year for us because we had so much going on in the world of sports. It was tough for us to slot in anything else. So uh, sort of looking forward to taking that, that deep breath a little bit, um, maybe reintroducing myself to my wife on the weekends. <laughs> yeah, really, it really is an unbelievable time of year. And, and I think that it's even more challenging to some of us the people in this business, uh, because of the new forms of activation that are that are just as critical as on-site activation used to be. Uh, now we know that at Super Bowl and at NBA All-Star Game and at Daytona 500, that there was a lot more on-site activation back, which is incredibly encouraging for all the people that support this business. 
um, vendors, et cetera, and, and the brands to be able to interact directly. But there are all kinds of other things going on. And some of the properties, more and more properties are becoming evergreen or to derive value from them need to be looked at as some to, to some degree evergreen. Uh, and therefore, there are, um, you know, tr you know the, the attempts to activate on a more ongoing basis. So there's never a complete let up, but you're right. It is kind of nice to say, okay, I don't have to tune into this or that, at, you know, just because it's so significant on the sports marketing landscape. Yeah. And all we do have to do is look back to one of our previous guests, Rainy Anderson. We talked to her about how the NFL has become a 365-day-a-year sport. And I think most sports would aspire to to be that not very few sports will be able to do that um but they the more opportunities they can provide to their sponsors um the better position these properties are to attract new sponsors renew their existing ones and then you know get increased rights fees for their sponsorships yeah it's and it's critical i mean every every property certainly wants to have their sponsors as focused as possible on them for as long as possible. It doesn't mean that they don't support other sports and other property salespeople, you know, but it, you know, it is, it is trying to get their sponsors totally behind what they're doing and not spending that much time on other, on other brands. And therefore your point is so well taken in that the value that they can provide and the additional touch points that they can create uh, for brands that give their sponsors or to give to give those brands the ability to you know communicate and touch their own consumers on a regular basis uh, is what it's all about. Of course, that's what drives up value and 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 pricing of these partnerships as well. Yeah, at the end of the day, share of voice translates into share of wallet, and that's why sponsors do what they do. You know, I, now I need to take a breath just from that discussion as we move. Well, let's take a quick break and uh, we're going to move into a, a guest segment here. So hang with us. It's time for our guest. We are really happy to have uh, our next guest. Claire Larashi is the vice president of product development at Tops. He spent the last 20 years or so at Tops, the leading trading card company. And uh, we're really happy to have you here, Clay. Thanks for joining us. Thanks for having me, Tim. Appreciate it. So let's get started. Uh, as we sit here today, uh, the 2022 product dropped. I know you were traveling, um, doing some events around the, the series launch. What can we expect from the 2022 Tops product? Oh, I mean, uh, so the product just came out and the buzz has just been incredible. We kind of build up to this for an entire year. Uh, we're working on this product a year out, and so, so much time and energy is being put toward this product every year. Um, so now that it's out, we're excited. I love the action that we're seeing um, on the, you know, on the, in the marketplace, and then also what the consumers are saying. So we're, we're very happy, and I'm just, it's, it's just a great way to kick off the trading card season. Yeah, I, I'm excited. I, I told you before we started recording, I bought a couple of boxes from your uh, e-commerce site. For those of you who are looking to buy products, tops.com is a great place to go. Uh, I'm excited. I'm looking forward to it. Other than Wander Franco, who should I be looking for? Uh, Jaron Duran's a pretty decent prospect from Boston. Um, so he's a great player. And Luis Gale is pretty good um, on the Yanks. So yeah, you have some really great young talent obviously wander everyone's looking for wander um 
I don't know if you've seen some of the cards that have been pulled so far, but it's pretty incredible. Um, there is a lot, a lot of hype around this guy, but he's already he's he's already proven. So, yeah. Was that a conscious decision? Did you have the opportunity to put him in some of your later season releases last year and you chose not to? Or were the rules such that you couldn't even if you wanted to? Yeah. Because it's certainly created the buzz for this year's products. Yeah, no, he, he was he was purposely held back um, so we can capture uh, more rookie cards in 2022. Okay. And, uh, those are, those are dates, um, that we work on with, with the, uh, the major league baseball players association to determine those dates. Right. And as we sit here today, um, pitchers and catchers have not yet reported because of the work stoppage. I'm reading that they seem to be getting closer has that impacted your product planning at all for later releases this year? Or if not, when do you start to worry as a brand that relies on baseball teams and players to, to honestly, I'm not worried about it. I'm, I'm not worried about it one bit. If you see what's going on in the last 24 hours, it's, it's incredible. Um, and when the season starts, it's going to be even more incredible, okay. but yeah, we're not, we're not changing plans. Um, we're doing anything different. Um, we've been doing this for, for 70 plus years. So <laughs> we've, we, we've seen everything. And um, what I've seen this week has been uh, like there, people are more hungry for trading cards than ever. Good. That's great. That's great. Hopefully, uh, hopefully players will be back on the field soon. Let's take a, you mentioned, you know, you've been around for over 70 years. Uh, throughout that time, you've, you've led a lot of the innovations in the industry, um, created, uh, new fans created new products. Let's talk a little bit about the crypto and the digital space and NFTs in particular. How is Tops approaching the digital collectible space? Yeah, well, we've been, you know, we've been producing trading card apps for a, a long time. I mean, we were <laughs> one of the first companies to do it. Um, we were also one of the first companies to, to issue, you know, NFTs um, from, a, from a, a trading card standpoint. Um, collectible standpoint. So we're always ahead of the curve when it comes to innovation. That's something that we, we, you know, really kind of put our stamp on. Um, as far as like, you know, NFTs in general, they're collectibles. Um, and it changes. It's just like the, the trade, the physical trading card industry. Um, it, it changes almost monthly. Um, and you're seeing that now with NFTs. There's, there's a lot of, there's a lot of ups and downs. Um, but it's definitely an interesting space. It's a space that we're in um, and there's some really cool things happening. Um, I'm sure you may have heard, but we're going to be auctioning off the, the 1952 Mickey Mantle in a few weeks here. And we expect that to get a lot of attention and create a lot of buzz. And um, it will lift, you know, it will lift all trading cards, regardless if it's physical or digital. Yeah, I, I did see that. And I think it's phenomenal. And while that's sort of one of the holy grails of collecting that 1952 mantle, um, this will truly be a one of one collectible, right? So it'll be interesting. Right. And it's it's being offered on an auction basis, correct? Correct, correct. And it's great to see some of these classic cards, you know, take like a new life and a new shape. I'll, I'll show you a couple of cards I have on my desk that are my favorite, like this 56 Roberto Clemente. Wow. Uh, this 53 Satchel Page, um, this 55 Jackie. I mean, these are cards that are are legendary. They're beautiful. They're pieces of artwork 
um, and people are just consuming artwork and collectibles in different ways as they should. And you know, whether it's physical or whether it's digital, um, as long as it's it's collectible and it's and it's tradable and it's consumable and you know people are enjoying it, that's what matters. Yeah, that's you've hit the nail on the head, right? If it's not fun, why why do it? And collectibles right. are fun. That's why that's why I've been a lifelong collector. I don't know if I told you this at one point in the past, but when I was a uh, a young child, my parents were friends with Cy Berger and his wife who ran the trading card business at Tops for many, many years. And right. he would bring over peach baskets full of cards, baseball and non-sports cards. Wow. And I had one of the few moms in America who did not throw them out. So they made the nice basis for a, an adult nice. collection. Uh, but it'll be, it'll be interesting to see whether, uh, if that mantle NFT comes even close to approaching the price of a, of a physical card when it's comes up for auction. Yeah, I'm very curious. And, it, you know, it will continue to take on a life of its own afterward because, you know, part of the things with NFTs is they're on a blockchain and then they get traded and, you know, there's a ledger and, and people keep track of, you know, who, who has it and so forth. Um, but you mentioned, Sai, you know, I've been around at Tops 20 plus years. I actually had the privilege um, to work with Sai for just kind of at the end of his career. Mm -hmm. and, um, and I was telling someone the other night that, like, to me, you know, now that we're like in our 71st iteration of Topps Baseball, which is, you know, the flagship product and the longest running collectible. Um, to me, it's always felt like a responsibility to carry on that legacy of size. Um, and I've just been honored and privileged to be able to do that. And, you know, I never thought when I first met Sai as like, you know, a young 20 year old that I would continue to do this stuff. Um, so every time we put together this flagship, I'm thinking of Sai, the team's thinking of Sai and like, you know, the way it's evolved, it's just been, it's been a great ride. Well, I think I speak for many collectors when I say you guys have done a heck of a job keeping his legacy going. So thank you. Um, and you, you know, again, 71 years, that's a tremendous run for any company. Um, there's been some changes, right? Uh, Fanatics recently announced that they were, uh, uh, buying tops as part of their move into uh, the collectible space. They are going to be assuming the uh, the licenses from Major League Baseball and Major League Baseball Players Association, as well as NBA and, and NFL. But as it relates to what you guys are doing, I know there's there's certain things you can't talk about because where it is in the, in the process. But you know, what's what's your thoughts on sort of tops 2.0, if you will? Um, and I know you guys have had different ownership over the years but this is this is truly revolutionary in the in the uh, evolution of revolutionary revolutionary in the evolution of the company and the industry so what are your thoughts and what do you what can we look forward to if you're available to share, if you're able to share anything yeah no I'll share with you what I, what I think so far I think it's a perfect marriage to be honest with you it's a um tops is a classic American sports brand. Fanatics is the new American sports brand. And for them to, to purchase us and help guide us through into the future, we're just going to be able to do epic things together. Um, and the team at Tops is so excited about the potential and the possibilities. It just opens up the doors for a lot of things. Um, and we have a, an incredible team um, and we're, you know, we're coming together with other incredible minds. I mean, the, the, the people 
that are on the business. Um, or, you know, they're some of the best trading card people and collectibles people around. So we're going to introduce great stuff and carry, continue to carry on the tradition, but also introduce innovations like no one's ever seen. So very, very excited. Yeah, I, I am. I am as well as again, as a collector, um, you know, talking about innovation, uh, you guys have have made a move into the NIL space, um, relatively new development, right? We're less than a year since uh, the NCA basically threw up their hands and said, you know, our guys can make money off their name, image, and likeness. And you guys have have been on top of that. You've also been on top of the uh, that new basketball league. How do you guys approach working with athletes who don't belong to a players association or aren't necessarily, um, you know, at the major league level of their respective sports? Right. And um, yeah, so every league and every organization, it's a little bit different. Um, so in this particular instance with, with, with NIL, you're working with the players um, individually, um, which is not new to us. Mm-hmm. Um, it's definitely, you know, it's adventurous trying to go out and, and get all the different, you know, athletes rights. And, you know, most of these people, they're in college, so it's not always the top priority for them. Um, but it's, it's, it's a new space for everyone and it will evolve over time and it will become more streamlined and, and, and will, as products come out and as it's, um, you know, as it takes its course, but it's super exciting. It's very interesting. There's a lot of possibilities with, with NIL. Um, and then you mentioned overtime elite, which is the, um, the professional basketball league for high school aged kids. Um, that's, that's also new as well. So, you know, our job is, and it always has been, is we chronicle pop culture, right? And right now, part of popular culture is student athletes being able to commercialize their name, image, or likeness. Popular culture is also saying there are other professional leagues popping into the scene. Um, we're there just to like be the, you know, the chroniclers of, of this, of, of this movement, um, just as we have been since the 1930s. Everything that's happened in pop culture and sports, we have basically issued a product. Um, so, and we'll continue doing that. You, you've either created it or chronicled it, which is right. a pretty, pretty nice, uh, nice right. role to play in, in uh, American pop culture. Yeah. Uh, Couple more questions, and then uh, we you're going to show something um, that our listeners won't be able to see, but hopefully those who watch the video clip will be posting. But we ask all of our guests, "How did you get your start in sports? Tell us, uh, tell us how you broke into the sports industry." Where'd your career get started? Where'd you start well, in college, I started doing internships, um, which I think is very important for, for for people in school. Is to if if you have it, if you have a uh, a career path you'd like to walk down, try to get your foot in early um, into that door, and, and, and kind of try and make a name for yourself and, and put the work in. Um, so I was doing internships. Uh, I did one with the San Francisco Giants. I did one with. Um, James Worthy's uh, agent. So I tried to get, I, I got a good look with what it feel like to work for a team and then what it would look like to work for an individual athlete. Um, and then when I graduated, I, um, there was an opportunity to work for a sports marketing company. 
that happened to have one of their clients was FLIR trading cards. Mm-hmm. So I was like, hey, I was a collector. So I tried not to show it, but was excited to be working on the FLIR account. And then one of my first jobs, well, my first, well, yeah, one of my first full-time jobs was at, was at FLIR trading cards. Um, and then I went to, and then I went to Tops from there. But what I would say is there's, there's not, you know, everyone wants to get into the sports industry. Um, what I would say is that, you know, put it, put in the time, be the first one there and the last one to leave. And, um, you know, whatever you do, be passionate about it and uh, just work extremely hard and show that, you know, you're committed to, to your trade. That's great. That's great advice. Uh, before we let you go, I know that you've yeah. got a, prod, a pack of the, the 2022 tops. Uh, so if you wouldn't mind, look at that. Who's on the who's on the uh, the front? Only yeah. only the MVP. Yeah, Shohei, Shohei Otani. Yeah. Yep. Uh, yeah. What a fantastic season he had last year. Uh, so if you wouldn't mind, go ahead and rip open that Let's pack and and, t- and uh, tell our listeners who who you got. All right. I'm doing that. I'm looking at the so card number one is James McCann. I'm in New York City, so he's a he's kind of a local favorite. Um, Gavin Sheets, rookie card from the White Sox. Nice. Uh-oh. It's the big dog. Oh, look at Mike that. Mike Trout. Hopefully, big, Mike big things. Trout. Hopefully, big things from him in his comeback season this year. Yes, yes. That's a cool card. Um, hey, here's a here's a here's a guy who's been an all-star a couple of times, Mitch Hanniger from Seattle. We got Ramel Tapia from the Rockies. G-Man Choi, fan favorite from the Rays. Yeah. He can hit some bombs once in a while. It's hurt my Yankees on more than one occasion. Victor Reyes of the Tigers. Joey Gallo of the Yankees. Nice. Ah. Anyway. You know what's funny is I'll tell you a quick story. Is I remember the first time I saw a 1987 Topps card, and I was at a it was at a local card shop in my town, and um, it was a Don Mattingly card. And the packs hadn't come out yet; they just had this one sample card of the 87 of 87 Topps, and it was Don Mattingly. Um, he's like in a batting stance, and I just remember that I, I don't know that that kind of that memory captures kind of like my childhood with Topps. Um, and I can, but it's and funny I can, that we get this 87 card. Yeah, I can, I can picture the card you're talking about. But what Clay's showing right now, for those of you listening, is an insert card for the 35th anniversary of, uh, of the 1987 release with, uh, in, done in the design of 1987 tops. And this one has uh, Don Mattingly. Quick aside, when I, during the lockdown, at the beginning of the lockdown, like many people, I got back into collecting in a big way. But I went online and... Uh, bought a bunch of um, vending boxes of 1987 tops and, and uh, pulled the McGuire and the, and the Mattingly and, and the Bo Jackson. And, and so it was a lot of fun. So who else do we got, Clay? Eddie Rosario. How about this guy in last year's postseason? Yeah. Just what a killer. Um, Giants, Andy, Anthony Desclafini. Desclafani. Good pitcher. Good, solid pitcher. Yeah. Kyle Tucker, he was a he was a he was a heralded rookie a couple of years ago, especially a rookie card. And then last year, he just the last couple of years just turned it on. Yep. This is a if you don't have his rookie card, he's one you might want to pick up. 
Kwang Hyun Kim from St. Louis. And then the last one is future Hall of Famer, Miguel Cabrera. Maggie. It's crazy because the back, the back of the card still has all of the stats. So it's like <laughs> there's, there's no room for a bio on this one. I but, think he's pretty much assured to get in on the first ballot. Yeah. That's great. Yeah. That's my first pack of 20, 22 tops. It's a good I'm, one. I'm salivating here. So I can't yeah. wait to get my delivery. But anyway, Clay, I can't thank you enough for joining us. Um, for you guys who are collectors or thinking about getting back into it, go to your local card shop, go to your mass retailer like Target or Walmart and pick up some tops. I, I don't think you'll regret it. Thanks for having me, Tim. Appreciate it. Okay, have a great day. All right, you too. Tim, that was a great segment there with Clay. And thanks to Clay for, uh, for joining us on the show. Um, as you could tell from my absence, I was not able to do that particular interview, uh, but I think we covered a lot of uh, great ground. There's one thing, though, Tim, that I did want to ask, and it seems as though you must have run out of time to ask Clay if he, you know, did have any sort of, you know, opportunities or groups or something, you know, for people that may have sold their entire collection some time ago for, I don't know, say $10 when, you know, it might be worth hundreds, maybe thousands, maybe hundreds of thousands of dollars now. Um, just, I'm asking for a friend, of course. Well, uh, you know, that's, that is the catch 22 of collecting, right? Everybody complained. Your, your complaint is somewhat unique. Most people blame it on their mother. Your, 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 your friend is owning the fact that he, he got taken in the sale of his cards. Yeah. He got taken uh -huh. by an eight-year-old, by the way. I think he thought my and that friend. Was what, two, that, he, was, that was two years ago, right? <laughs> Oh yes, yes. No, it was it was actually quite a quite a bit of time ago, and uh, I really don't like talking about it. But when we heard that we were going to have Clay on the show, I thought it might be my chance to see if they had any sort of sort of programs for such people, <laughs> support groups. Yeah. Right, right. Well, listen, I, I will uh, I will tell you, I was jealous watching Clay yeah. open the cards because when we it was conducted incredible, that, it was incredible watching you guys. When when we opened when he opened that pack of cards, the they had not been formally released yet, so I couldn't get my hands on a pack of cards. So I did go out this weekend and buy a pack. So not to be undone by Mr. Oh, Lashley, I'm going to open this. my first pack of 2022 yeah. Tops Series One baseball. Well, and we're going to know if it's a long term uh, as a long term employee. He gets he gets special. Hold, hold them right up to the camera, too, by the way. All right. So our first card is a rookie card of the Washington uh, Nationals, uh, Riley Adams. All right. All right. Our next card, I'm seeing a theme develop here, is uh, Braves' Austin Riley. Right. Austin Riley. Got... Sounds like a NASCAR driver. Yeah. Yeah. And then we've got one of my favorite uh, players player. on my favorite teams uh yankee catcher kyle higashioka all right big things expected from him this year uh, we've got ronnie dawson of the houston astros um i'm happy to send you this card because it's of a red sox player jd oh, Mar martinez <laughs> 
Yankee Senate. killer. Jan Gomes of the A's. Ooh. All-star. Corey Yeager. Sager. Sorry. Nice. Uh, I love when the uh, when Major League Baseball had their uh, their day when the players could put their own uh, whatever they wanted on the back of their jersey. Corey Sager's brother, Kyle, put Corey's brother on the back of his jersey. Here's one for you in your adopted hometown. Ian Happ of the Chicago oh, yeah, Cubs. Nice, nice, nice. Sorry if you haven't. Couldn't read the name. Uh, Brian Anderson of the Miami Marlins. Here's a pretty cool one. We've got Roberto Clemente and an insert oh, wow. card that depicts the 1987 design. I'm pretty, sure that, that, I'm, I'm pretty sure that card was in my friend's collection. And by the way, best best player I ever saw play in his prime live. Unbelievable. Uh, you know, we're old enough to the 1971 World Series uh, between his throws from the outfield and Brooks Robinson plays at third base. An amazing series. And one of the last series where they played day games. Yeah. Uh, twins pitcher, John Gant. Another Braves player, Adam Duvall. Uh, potential Hall of Famer in the future. I'll probably get some comments on that, but Zach Granke. And then uh, San Diego infielder, Yvonne Castillo. I'd buy, I'd buy the potential Hall of Fame on Granke. So uh, that will be the first of many packs that I open this year, but... Well, that's great. And like I said, you know, listening to and watching you go through that with Clay, uh, who's someone who obviously works for the company, but was still so excited. You guys were like kids. It was just great. It was just great. So um, a great segment and a great uh, hobby and, and one that my friend used to really like. But you're never too old to get back into or he's never too old to get back into it. Um all right. It reminds me of my childhood. What can I say? <laughs> All right. Let's take another quick break. Be back in a bit. David, let's end the show the way we always do. Let's talk about what we're looking forward to over the coming week. So I'm excited. I'm heading to Nashville, a city that I love, a great American city for the Navy Federal Credit Union NHL Stadium Series. Um, going there with some of my teammates from Boom Ventures on behalf of my client from OFX, the official currency exchange partner of the NHL. And these 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 series outdoor series games that the NHL has pulled together, I think, uh, are some of the real fun events. It'll be the Preds hosting the Lightning. A um, lot of great things planned. Going to hit AJ's Good Time Bar, Alan Jackson's place on uh, on Broadway on Friday night, and really looking forward to the whole scene and getting to meet some people actually in person around business that I've been working with for quite a while. So uh, really really excited about getting getting on the road. That's great. Any, what about any, you? Oh. Any return of normalcy 
Yes. It's something yes. that just makes me happy and makes me smile. This is going to be a college sports weekend for me. Uh, Saturday afternoon, I'm going to go see the Big Red of Cornell play at uh, Lehigh in men's lacrosse. Um, they had a really nice opening to their season. They beat uh, the Great Danes of Albany. Um, uh, so a couple of my friends' sons are playing on the Cornell team, so it's always great to catch up uh, with the uh, old teammates and classmates. Uh, and then Saturday night, staying on uh, the college sports theme, going down to Princeton to watch the Big Red Cornell hockey team play. Wait, what? Wait, what? You are you are so overly ivied right now. <laughs> I I love Cornell lacrosse. I love Cornell hockey. So uh, this is this is my dream weekend, and it comes after all the big stuff on the uh, professional sports calendars. So. Yeah. Well, I love the generational thing with the, with the lacrosse there at, at Cornell, man. That's just, that's just awesome. So have a, have a great time. Thank you. So that's a wrap on another great wait. What big thank you to our guest, Clay Larashi from tops. And of course, a big thanks to you for listening to our podcast, whether on Apple or Spotify or on another podcast platform. We really do appreciate it. So have a great week. We'll talk soon.